open to First Thessalonians tonight. First Thessalonians chapter five. You know, I've been I've really been, you know, we've been talking about end times stuff on Wednesdays. And been thinking a lot about it, you know, and it seems like there's just a lot of there's so much stuff going on, and it's like, why don't people see what's going on? Why don't people understand what's happening? And and there's it's like that in a lot of areas. And um you know, it seems like our country has just fallen asleep to many things. And you know, the other night after church, we were driving home. It was a Sunday night after church. We're driving home, and we're leaving here. And as we're driving down the road, ah, we just are noticing like everybody on the on you know Eighth Avenue there. Everybody as we're driving out, you know, they all have big screen TVs on. Everybody's watching TV. You can just see it in every house we're going to. Everybody's watching TV, and it's like, well, we know why people aren't at church on Sunday nights. There must be some good TV programs on, and you know, no, nope, but everybody's just watching TV. We're just seeing it in all the houses, and really, I mean, I think part of the reason this—I'm not preaching on television stuff tonight—but I really think one of the reasons people are asleep to so many things and aren't paying, have no clue what's going on in the world, is because. The television puts you to sleep, doesn't it? I mean, it relaxes you, it relaxes your mind, kind of shuts your mind down, I think. And as long as they have their TVs to, TV to watch, their video games to play, their cell phones to mess around on, they're happy. And they could care less about what's going on in the world. And there are some things that we just need to wake up to. And tonight, I'm going to, the title of the message is It's Time to Wake Up. And we're going to look at several passages in the Bible that talks about us, we need to wake up to some things. And literally in all these things, today, we are asleep. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, this is, and this passage is right after one of the most well-known rapture passages in the Bible. Okay? And it's talking about the day of the Lord. And it says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do." Now, I want you to notice in this passage how he's talking about what's coming and how he mentions that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. But then he tells the church here, he says, ye are not, that day is not going to overtake you as a thief. He tells them that ye are children of the day. You walk in the light. Okay, us as Christians, we are supposed to be Walking in the light. The Bible tells us to walk in the light as He is in the light. When you're walking in the light, you can see things more clearly, can't you? When you're walking in the light, if you if you go outside and you're going to travel somewhere, you're going to walk through the woods, wherever you're going to go, 
If it's day, it's so much easier. You can see what's ahead of you uh, a little ways. You can see what's ahead of you long ways. You can see what's coming. And it's a lot easier to get where you need to go during the daytime in the light where you can see. Now, in the nighttime, it's difficult to see what's ahead. It's a lot easier to trip and fall and to mess up. It's a lot easier to not see something coming when you're walking in darkness, when you're walking in the nighttime. And for Christians, that's not supposed to be us. We're supposed to be walking in the light. We're supposed to be able to see what's going on. Now, we see here also in this passage, it's possible for us that we can fall asleep. Okay, Even though we're children of the light, we can fall asleep and not see what's going on to not be paying attention to what's happening. That can happen, and we can just not be watchful. And here we see in this passage that you know, and we're not talking about watching for the day of the Lord tonight, but at the same time, uh, we in this passage that's what it's talking about. The day of the Lord is something that we're supposed to be, that we're supposed to see coming. That we're supposed to watch, uh, we're supposed to watch for. And we'll see it coming if we're walking in light. And the truth is. We see though that many people, even some saved people, aren't going to see it coming because they're asleep. And we see that it's time to awake out of our sleep. And one of the things that we need to wake up to, and that is the signs of the time. I believe today, I mean, right now, when you see what's going on in the world, I mean, people ought to be watching for the day of the Lord and the return of Christ more than ever. I mean, people ought to be excited with it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of consumed with it right now. I mean, I really am. And, and as the more I study, the more I learn, the more I'm just watching and, and you're, I'm seeing things. And I don't want this overtaking me as a thief. I want, I want to see it coming. I like to know what's going to happen ahead of time. And God said that if we'll walk in the light, if we'll not fall asleep, we will. And I believe today that so many people are literally just asleep. Did you know most Christians these days, most Christians, and this is something I appreciate about our church, because one thing I appreciate about this church and the people here is I have a lot of people that I can talk to about Scripture, and not only do they not get bored out of their mind, they enjoy talking about themselves. They have something to say in return. They have something that they learn. I I love that. Did you know there's some preachers that you you can't even really talk to them about the Bible. They would rather talk about sports. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more there's no more interesting subjects than what's in this book, but you get to talking about some of these things and their eyes just glaze over and it's just nah, I don't really care. You know? I mean, good night. I mean, you know, other religions. Some you know, you talk to people from other religions and it's like, you know, you try to show them from the Bible maybe where they're wrong. And they don't even try to argue with you. It's like, come on, at least argue. Care about what you believe. And even some Baptists, sometimes, if you try to maybe challenge them a little bit on what they believe and think, oh yeah, you're right. Really? You're not, you're not going to try to argue with me? You know, you're not, it, they, they don't really care. They're asleep to it. But boy, you start talking with them about a ball team, their eyes light up. They wake up. You start talking about a television show. Boy, now you've got their attention. I mean, if you talk to them about something on the computer or a video game, I mean, you will get their attention with that type of thing. And it's sad, it's sad that people are literally asleep to it. 
that you can talk about the signs of the time and how it, you know things are just pointing to the fact that Christ, could, you know, the coming of Christ is getting closer and closer, and their eyes glaze over. They're totally asleep to it. You can point on to what's going on in the world, and they just they don't care. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I see it at work. I, I sit in there in the, in the break room, and in the one break room, they have CNN. You know, playing regular news. Okay, which CNN, uh, they don't do a very good job getting the news out, but it's news, okay? In the other break room, they have sports. Guess where most of the people sit? In the break room with the sports uh, on there, the sports news. And they're more interested in sports news. The regular news, and right now, I mean, we've, we're getting ready to go to war in Iraq again, even though they don't want to call it war. You know, in Syria, uh, I mean, there's stuff spreading over to Turkey, all these places. I mean, there's some pretty major stuff going on that could be leading up to some events that we see is going to be going on in the tribulation. And yet, people are sitting there, you know, don't care. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm watching this stuff and I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting, you know, just think, man, this, this could be it. And, you know, it, it almost gets me excited in a way. And people, they just don't care. I mean, they will be talking about, even in that break room, they'll be in there while that's on talking about sports. And you know what actually will get their attention on the news? For like two weeks. You know all that was on the news in there? On CNN? Was this Ray Rice thing beating up to punching his girlfriend. You know, the one guy that spanked his kid. That was what almost all the news was about. And guess what was happening when that was going on? Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's interested in that. That gets, that gets better ratings then talk about wars and things. I mean, it just it blows my mind. And you see, and the world literally is asleep to this thing. When you study the end times, and you read the book of Revelation, it's like, how could people not see the day of the Lord coming? How are they not going to know when it's close? And it's literally because they are asleep. And churches today are asleep. Christian people are asleep when it comes to the signs of the time they have no interest in it whatsoever, and it's a shame, and it's time for them to wake out of their sleep. Because that day is going to come on them like a thief. And they're not going to be ready. And it's not going to be pretty. And we need it's time for us to wake up when it comes to the signs of the times. It's also time for us to wake up. Go to First Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty eight. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. I want you to notice what we see here. Remember, we talked about this morning how God deals with sin. God doesn't let sin go unpunished. And we see here in this passage that it's time, it says many sleep. Many are weak and sickly. Many Christians today, I mean, weak, sickly Christians doing nothing for God in complete disobedience to God, sometimes under the chastisement of God, and they don't even realize it. And we see here, in this passage, that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And but when we are judged, 
We are chastened, Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. God doesn't want to punish us with the rest of the world. God doesn't want to judge us like He's going to judge the rest of the world in the tribulation. So you know what He does? He chastens us ahead of time. That's why Christians, we, as far as things appear, we don't seem to get away with the same things that the world seems to get away with. Why? And the truth is, the world's not getting away with it. Their judgment's coming and it's going to be bad. But the truth is, God deals with us because we're His children. And so, if I commit a sin and maybe a lost person commits that same sin, I'll get judged right now. They probably won't. There's this waiting. God doesn't want me to get judged with them, so He deals with me. And the Bible tells us that we ought to judge ourselves. So, we don't have to be judged by Him. If we would look at our own spiritual condition, if we would wake up to where we're really at, the Bible talks about the Lord's Supper. That's time for us to examine ourselves. You know, as uh, you know, as a pastor, I can't be the one to go to and say, "All right, you know, how many maybe at your job before your boss has given you an evaluation on how you're doing your job?" And sometimes there's numbers on it. You know, you, you, I remember they don't do it anymore at Walmart now. But when I was at the other Walmart, they gave you evaluations, and the highest you could get was a five. It had like three separate categories. And I got all fives on every one except for one evaluation. I got a, I got a four. I don't even know. And the reason I didn't get a five was stupid. I'm still mad about it. But anyway, it killed my perfect record. But, but you know, there's there's numbers they put on your your manager does that. You know, as your pastor, I I, I don't do that. Okay, I can't really do it. The Bible doesn't tell me to. Or I's like, all right, we're gonna I'm gonna evaluate you spiritually. You know, every six months. And uh, let you know how you're doing as a Christian. I'm going to give you numbers, you know. And I give one person a five, another person a four, based on certain things. I'm not capable of judging that accurately, okay? Because I can only see things that's on the outside. I can't see what's going on on the inside. And the truth is, we're supposed to do that to ourselves. We're supposed to examine ourselves and say, "All right, where am I at right now? What have I been doing for the Lord? Have I been obedient?" Have I been have I been following His word? What's going on in my life right now? Am I am I being chastened right now? Am I being punished? And the truth is that's going on with some people, and they are literally asleep when it comes to their spiritual condition. I mean, they are in bad shape, and they don't they don't even know it. And you can go take the Lord's Supper. They go through the motions. They don't even think about it. Why? They're completely asleep to it. Then when it comes to their families, they're not paying attention to where they're at spiritually. And then they're all scratching their heads and wondering why their family's going bad and why their kids are rebelling and why they're, why they're turning rotten on them. They have no idea what's going on because they are asleep to their spiritual condition. And we've got to wake up to that. Well, we've got to pay attention to where we are spiritually. Am I pleasing God right now? That's not something many people talk about. It's not something that they think about. It's not a discussion that people have often. Am I pleasing God in my life right now? Many people, when they're out doing whatever they do, they don't ask themselves, am I pleasing God? They're not examining themselves. They're just completely asleep. And you know, it's like Christians these days. We're just sleepwalking. We're sleepwalking Christians. You know, we're walking, we're moving. You know, we're at church. We do some of the things, but at the same time, when it comes to what our true condition is, we're like that Laodicean church that said, I have need of nothing. And Jesus said, 
You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Sounded like they needed plenty, didn't they? But they didn't think they did. Why? They were asleep to their spiritual condition. And you know what the truth is? Today, you can go to church and you literally... I mean, a preacher can get up and he can just... I mean, preach and you can be under conviction. But you know what? There's some great medication you can take. I mean, a preacher will wake you up. I mean, he will wake you up, stir you up. The Holy Spirit will stir your heart. But then they can go home and they can take some great medication called television where it can take their mind to a galaxy far, far away, you know, to a whole other world, another dimension, to the twilight zone or whatever. And they just forget all about everything they heard and they will watch that until they fall asleep. They don't go to bed thinking about maybe what the Holy Spirit spoke to them about. They don't meditate on anything like that. They watch that like a zombie <laughs> until you know they, they conk out for the night. And what happens? They fall right back asleep. You see that sometimes in revival meetings. You know, after maybe a week of preaching, by Thursday or Friday, Pete, you know, the Holy Spirit will finally start getting through to these people. They haven't had time to watch TV. They've been in church all, you know, every evening during the week, and the Holy Spirit's finally making some ground. And then they go, and maybe they'll even make good decisions, and they'll get some things right, and they'll see where they've been going wrong. But then the revival meeting's over. They go back home. They take their medicine. And they're right back asleep again. I mean, it, literally, you know, the television, all the media stuff, it literally is a drug these days. I mean, I would almost enjoy to see what would happen if we just lost all television, computer, cell phones for a week. If it wasn't for the fact that there would probably be mayhem and mass casualties. <laughs> I would love to see it. I mean, I would just, I'd like to see how some people operated with no entertainment for them. And you know what? Some people might end up waking up. And they might end up getting some things accomplished. They might wake up and say, hey, you know what? My yard's a total mess. Maybe I ought to go out and mow the grass and clean the place up so I don't look like I live a little bit of dump. You know, maybe hey, let's go ahead and clean our house up. You know, when the power, our power was out for over 24 hours the other day. Guess what we did while there was daylight? We cleaned up our yard. We did yard work that whole time. We had nothing else to do. You go inside, it was dark. Nothing to do in there. We got a lot done when that power was out. And you know, maybe that's what our country needs. <laughs> you know, we need we need just a blackout for for a while. Maybe some things would get accomplished, and maybe some people would wake up to what's going on. But the truth is, we are just out cold when it comes to the signs of the times. When it comes to our spiritual condition. Also, go to Romans chapter 13, another area where the Bible says we need to wake up. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says, "...and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light." Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We need to wake up to our potential to fall. We hear stories all the time about, you know, maybe, maybe great men falling into sin. And a lot of times we look at that and you know we say, oh, you know what a scumbag that would never happen to me. But the truth is, the problem, the only difference maybe between them and us is they just fell asleep. 
I believe it was last week we talked about abstaining from the appearance of evil. A lot of times people, they put themselves in compromising situations where it would be real easy for them to get in trouble, where it would be real easy for them to fall into sin. And we've got to wake up to that. We've got to pay attention to the temptations that are out there. We've got to understand what it is that's taking people down, what it is that's ruining lives today, and stay away from that. I mean, you would think... For example, drugs. Okay, I heard over in uh, on the news this week they're talking about in Colorado. You know, Colorado is becoming a magnet for homeless people. Why? Because you're allowed to smoke pot over there, and I mean they they are inviting a group of people over in their country or their their state that they don't want by having that having that kind of law. You would think when you just look at the lives. Of the druggie, all right. I'm not, I, you would think that people would be scared to death to ever get involved in that for one second. I mean, when you just read the horrible stories. I remember in the newspaper one time I was reading a story in there about a guy that went and he at first they, they said it was just marijuana. They they said all they found in the system was marijuana, but I'm telling you there had to have been a lot more than marijuana when you read this story. This guy supposedly he smoked some weed. And just went crazy. Went and drank a bottle of shampoo. Alright, which, that was disgusting. And then just started going crazy, took his child, ran out of his house, and some horrible things happened out in public where people could see it. And finally, the police came out there, and I can't remember how many times they had to shoot this guy before they finally took him down. I can't even say what was going on amongst children. Horrible. Because of drugs. Now I read that story and just the part about the shampoo scared me from ever wanting to take drugs. I mean, just drinking shampoo. That disgusted me. But when I heard about the rest of what he did, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what that, the kind of therapy that poor child was going to have to go through after what it experienced. I mean, horrible. You would think people would wake up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think I'm going to stay away from that. But no, they don't. You would think people would wake up to what's going on even with prescription drugs today. The doctors are giving. At work all the time when I'm watching the news, there are always commercials on there. I'm not lying. I'm not being funny. There are commercials advertising a drug that say, you know, be careful the side effects and then they'll list all the horrible side effects of that drug. And then, a little bit later, there will be a commercial where if you took a drug before and you had some horrible problems. I'm talking one of them, if guy, young boys, some of the drugs they were giving them for behavior gave them some female characteristics. And if that happened to you, you could possibly get in on a class action lawsuit. Okay, listen, I wouldn't mind winning a lawsuit and getting some money, but I'm not, not for that. No, that's not worth it. And I think... Why do people go crazy over this stuff? Why do they want it so bad? Why don't they wake up to see what is going on that our country is becoming just a drugged up bunch of stoner zombies? I mean, literally, it's horrible and they don't wake up to it one bit. And we've got to understand that that could be us. I've heard some stories of pastors that uh, every story I've heard of a pastor committing suicide, except for one, they uh, 
those guys turned out they were on some kind of mental medication. And it turns out one of the side effects is suicidal tendencies. Now listen, I'm not against all medication, but some of these mind-altering things, I think we need to wake up to what's going on. I think we need to pay attention to how much money some of these doctors are making that are giving you these prescriptions and it's finding out what their motives are. Are they really wanting to help us? Or are they just trying to make money? And understand that these things could happen to me, and therefore I'm going to be careful. Not just when it comes to drugs, but everything. Just you know, some of the compromises that people are making, uh, maybe in their ministries, of what it's doing to the churches and what it's doing to the morality, how it's destroying families. We've got to understand that we could fall. Any of us could fall. It could be us. And the Bible says, make no provision to the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We've got to pay attention to what we're doing, the decisions we're making, and say, you know what? That could get me in a lot of trouble. That I, I could easily fall into deep sin if I allow that in my life. And the Bible says, make no provision. Well, you know, I understand the potential, but as long as I don't sin, I'm fine. The Bible says not to make provision. Because you could fall, and it tells us that we need to wake up out of our sleep. Wake up out of your sleep. And that's when people fall. When they do, they fall asleep to what's going on. Not paying attention, not understanding their potential to fall. Also, we need to wake up to what our lifestyle is even doing to us spiritually and physically. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. I never really noticed this before until I was studying for this message. All right, Listen to this. The sleep of the laboring man is sweet whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Now what's this verse saying? Is this verse saying if you eat too much you're not going to sleep good at night? I think it's saying a little more than that. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. One of the things that's just literally killing people today is stress. The lifestyle they live causes stress that causes them to go on all these medications. That causes them a lot of... I mean, there are so many medical things that can happen to you if you get too stressed out. And so... We see here in this passage, though, a laboring man. Somebody who just works hard, does what they have to do to survive, they sleep just fine. They, they sleep, they're fine, they do what they need to do, and they're able to relax. But, rich people sometimes, all that they have, all that they're trying to keep for themselves, they can't sleep, they're too worried about it. See what it's saying there? That, you know, maybe there's a, a man, he's, you know, he's, Maybe he's poor. He has what he needs. He's eating what he needs to eat. He's able to feed his family. He's working hard. And when he goes to bed at night, he goes to bed knowing that his family's fed, everything's taken care of, he goes to sleep. doesn't have a whole lot. But that rich man, he's got so much stuff that he has to worry about, it stresses him out. He can't sleep. You know, I've often thought, you know, I've never had a brand new car in my life. And the truth is, if I, I'm kind of glad I don't. You know, the other day I went to just put my bike into my truck, and when I did, I didn't get it up all the way, and I kind of put a scratch in my truck, and it upset me. I wasn't very happy about it. 
But you know what? If that would have been a brand new truck, I wouldn't have been good at all. You know, if, I mean, my you know my truck. You know, sometimes I you know, I we load all kinds of garbage in it and branches and things. I I can do all kinds of things I need to do in that truck. But if it was brand new, didn't have a mark on it, I'd be stressed out about it all the time. I'd have probably cried if I did that. If I put a scratch like that on a brand new truck, the truth is I probably wouldn't enjoy the new one. You know, my kids, I'd be too busy screaming at them every time they spill something or drop some kind of food in there. And you know, they you know, that happens all the time. It would stress me out. And some people they have so much that they're all they worry about is losing that and or keeping what they have, and they can't sleep. They're they're miserable. They're stressed out. Many rich people on drugs, taking prescription medication for all their mental problems and anxiety issues. Why? Because they have so much, and literally their lifestyle is killing them. Their lifestyle is destroying them. I mean, it's amazing. You know, some of these Hollywood people and even millionaires sometimes commit suicide. Why? Because they're miserable. Their lifestyle is just destroying themselves. It can destroy their body. And yet, there's this, there can be some guy out there doesn't have much, works hard every day, just has what he needs, nothing else, that guy, he goes to bed at night and sleeps like a baby. Sleeps like a baby. Doesn't have to take a pill. Doesn't have to do anything. I mean, these people, they'll spend thousands on medication and going, doing all these therapy things just trying to help them with all their, their issues that they have. And the truth is, while that laboring man sleeps fine, their problem is they need to wake up to what their lifestyle is doing. And you dare bring up their lifestyle to these people, these people that are on all these meds and things, if you dare try suggesting, suggesting maybe you need to change your lifestyle, oh, you are a horrible, horrible person. You are a horrible person. If you go over to the mental institution and you go and you look at all their flyers that they have for all the lesbians and all their mental problems that they're having, and you dare to ask a lesbian and say, you know what, have you ever thought about changing your lifestyle? Oh, you hater. Oh, you terrible, terrible person. How dare you suggest that? But the truth is, your lifestyle is destroying you mentally. It's destroying you physically. And they don't see it. They don't see it. They won't wake up to it one bit. And we've got to pay attention to what we're doing. You know, moms and dads, you've got to pay attention to your lifestyle and what it's doing to you as a husband or a wife, what it's doing to you as parents. You don't want your children to grow up in a miserable household. You know, I have to do these things. No, you don't. I mean, a lot of it too, it's financially motivated. You know, maybe there'd be a lot less stress if you didn't if you drove used vehicles instead of new new vehicles. Maybe there'd be less stress if you lived in a smaller house than that great big house. You know, maybe if you just didn't have maybe if you bought hand me downs from a thrift store instead of buying, you know, brand new name brand clothes, maybe you wouldn't have as nice things, but maybe your stress level would be down. Maybe there would be a little bit of happiness in the household. You gotta wake up to what your lifestyle is doing to you if Said, so if you're stressed out, if your life is miserable, I mean, if everything's chaos and mayhem, 
It's nobody else's fault. You've got to figure it out. You've got to learn how to work through it. You know, and I said, I know every everybody's life is complicated, and it's you know this is easier than it sounds. But you've got to figure it out. And just going and finding a doctor to give you a pill to fix it all is not going to work. And I'm not even going to be able to preach a sermon that's going to fix it all. We've got we've just we've got to evaluate our lifestyle, and we've got to ask the question: Is it my lifestyle? That's making me miserable. Is it my lifestyle? That's why I cannot sleep. And I know we've been talking about waking up, but right here we're talking about being able to actually sleep in a certain area. And the problem is people aren't waking up to what is causing that problem. We've got to we've got to pay attention to what it's doing to us spiritually. What it's doing to us physically. You know, stress, bitterness, bitterness can destroy somebody physically, not just spiritually, physically. I mean, if you've got hatred and bitterness in your heart, you need to look at what it's doing to your attitude, what it's doing to your life, and take care of it. Wake up! What's what's going on? But also, you need to wake up to do the work that needs to be done. Proverbs chapter twenty-four, verse thirty. Proverbs twenty-four and verse thirty says, "I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles." had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. You know, when I used to when I was into the home preservation business, a lot of times in some poor areas where I would go and work on houses. I would notice something that would happen around noon. Everybody'd start waking up and coming out of their house. Grown men getting up, coming out of their house. You can tell they just woke up, still in their pajamas. And you look at their house, and you look at the lifestyle they're living, and you think, "Wow, things aren't looking too good for you." And I thought about it. I considered it well. A little sleep, a little slumber. A little fully man sleep, so shall thy poverty come. You know what? They need to wake up and pay attention to the work that needs to be done. They need to wake up to the fact, hey, your yard hasn't been mowed in a month. They need to wake up to the fact, hey, there's junk all over your yard. You got beer cans all over your yard, beer bottles all over there. You need to wake up and do something about this. You need to take care of that. You need to wake up to the fact that your dog has gone all over the floor in your house and you need to clean it up. I mean, I've seen these things. I've been in the houses and they will not wake up to the work that needs to be done. And they just they don't seem to care. And then they act like a victim when their house is falling apart. And then and then so what ends up happening is then what was that what was that show where they come fix up your house? Dream house show or extreme makeover. An extreme makeover comes and they build you this nice new house because you were a victim. It wasn't your fault that your house was that bad. It wasn't your fault that you know you slept till noon every day and everything fell apart in your house. And then they build in these nice new houses and then what happens after a couple of years? They destroy them. They absolutely destroy them. Why? Because sleep. I mean, literally asleep, physically asleep, not paying attention to work that needs to be done. You know, you don't clean your toilet for a while. Pretty soon, there's going to be bugs that are going to start coming along. Our kids, they used to struggle with remembering to keep the, uh, flush the toilet, and so I used to tell them stories about toilet bugs that would come in houses where kids didn't flush the toilets. 
And uh, they started flushing the toilets. <laughs> and I remember one time Tommy, he was, he was pretty little, and he just went to the bathroom and flushed the toilet. And then a little bit later, I, I saw him just go in the bathroom and flush the toilet and come out. I was like, Tommy, what are you doing? He's like, I couldn't remember if I flushed the toilet. I just told a toilet bug story and <laughs> just trying to get the trying to get the message across. But you know, things are bad. Things are going to happen. You know, the, pretty soon, you know, the rats and everything they're going to take over your house, and it's going to be bad. And people, they don't they don't pay attention. They just they just sleep. Proverbs twenty verse thirteen says, "Love not sleep." Lest thou come to poverty, open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. You know, maybe if you'd wake up in the morning, you'd be able to keep your job. If you'd get if you'd get up in the morning, wake up, you wouldn't get fired for not showing up for work all the time. But you love that sleep so much, you just had to hit that snooze button fourteen times. We need to wake up to the work that needs to be done, and not just the physical work that needs to be done. We need to wake up to doing the Lord's work. Go to Psalms 132, verse 4 and 5. Psalms 132, verse 4 and 5. It says, I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. That was David talking about he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build the house of the Lord. And he's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not giving sun my eyelids. I am going to get this done. There was a job that needed to be done. And David wanted to do it. He wasn't going to sleep. He wasn't going to slumber until he found a place. And you know what? God eventually gave him an answer. God told David, you don't get to build my house. You've been, a, you've been a bloody man because of some of the sins and things he had committed. He wasn't allowed to. But you know what he did? He did everything he could to prepare things for his son so his son would be able to build the house of the Lord. And his son Solomon did. David recognized a need that needed to be done when it came to the Lord's work. And he said, I'm not going to sleep till this gets done. And that ought to be our attitude that there is work that needs to be done. And... I'm not saying tonight you're not allowed to go to bed. But spiritually speaking, we cannot go to sleep when it comes to, for example, the lost that are out there that are on their way to hell. We've got to wake up to that. We've got to pay attention to what's going on. We cannot we cannot sleep when it comes to that. We can never sleep. We can't we can't fall asleep to the things that uh, you know to the work of the church and to when it comes to fulfilling that great commission, baptizing, teaching people about the word of God. We we get no sleep on this. Not until we get to heaven. The Bible says and then God will give us rest. Well, we can rest from our labors then. When it comes to the work of the Lord, there is no time for sleep. And I'm here today to tell you when it comes to the work of the Lord, if you fall asleep, from my experience, what I've seen when people fall asleep when it comes to the work of the Lord, they never wake up. I've heard, I've had people tell me, just taking a break for a little while. And those breaks end up lasting months and years, and sometimes even lifetimes. There's no time to fall asleep when it comes to the work of the Lord. We have to stay awake. I think I told this story a while back about Brother Jack Parchman when he would drive, uh, you know, they drove, drove the motor home to different places and they had the revivals and things. He'd get tired sometimes and want to fall asleep driving that motor home. And so his wife, Miss Ann, she had a spray bottle. She'd spray him in the face. 
whenever he'd start getting drowsy to keep him awake. And uh, you know, they did what they had to do. And sometimes we might have to go to extremes. Sometimes we, you know, we eventually, I think, we need to have revival meetings here. Why? We need to maybe have an evangelist come in and just stir us up a little bit to just wake us up. To get us uncomfortable, just like your kids sometimes, you know, they're in bed. You're trying to wake them up, and sometimes you got to make things a little uncomfortable for them. You know, you start shake, you know, you got to shake them sometimes. You know, throw water on them, whatever you have to do to wake them up because it's time. It's time to get up. And when it comes to the work of the Lord, it is time. It is time. We should be wide awake right now, and there is no time for sleep on there. And these are the six different things. That the Bible tells us we need to wake up when it comes to it. And I believe today, in this day and age we live in, that people are out cold. And there's a lot of reasons we could talk about why. But boy, when I saw those televisions on the other night, go watch tonight. When you leave, drive down 8th Avenue, just look, just look in the windows and look at all the TVs that are on. And you know what? They're happy. Sitting there, they're all relaxed. And the truth is, they ought to be in church. They don't. They don't know that. Why? They're asleep. If you go knocking their door tonight, hey, why don't you come to church tonight? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Why you? You know, I'm watching my TV program. I can't go Sunday nights at six. That's when whatever comes on. I don't know. What comes, you know, we got they've got DVRs and things these days. But no, they got to watch it live. They can't wait two hours. I mean, I know people literally that when they watch certain TV programs. While they watch the TV programs, they are on their phones tweeting about what they're watching. They have like groups that follow each other's commentary through them. I had a former relative that that did that. He, whenever he would watch this one TV show, he he had a group of people and they would all be tweeting and commenting about what they were watching. It was like, why don't you just sit down and watch the show? <laughs> but I don't know why people do that. And you know what? Boy, they are just as happy as can be doing that. But when it comes to the things that are important, they are sound asleep. And you try waking them up and saying, hey, uh, church, house of the Lord, the day of the Lord's coming, don't bother me with that. That ought to be, that's a lot more important than a ball game or a television show. And people don't care because they are asleep. And as Christians, we're not supposed to be walking in darkness. We are the children of the light. We are the children of the day. We ought to be awake to these things. And I'm here today to challenge you. Do not fall asleep. And so with that, let's all stand together.